coming up in this episode. I know so little about okay. this, Orlando. That's so why I'm turning to you. There's two brothers, <laughs> Dwayne and Greg. And so they formed this band, and it it, it became a, a, a sensation. Uh, Governor Carter says he's going to come down and visit the studio. And they all expected him to come. They were very excited he was coming. They thought he'd be there for 10 minutes. They'd take a bunch of pictures, and he'd leave. He spent hours there. Numerous incidents where, you know, they could have died. They almost died. This podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting highlights books with Georgia Connections, hosted by two of your favorite public radio book nerds who also happen to be your hosts of All Things Considered on GPB Radio. I'm Peter Biello. And I'm Orlando Montoya. Thanks for joining us as we introduce you to authors, their writings, and the insights behind their stories, mixed with our own thoughts and ideas on just what gives these works the narrative edge. Okay, Orlando, let's talk about books. What do you have today? Today I have the Allman Brothers Band. The book is called Brothers and Sisters, The Inside Story of the Album That Defined the 70s by Alan Paul. Now let me ask you this. How many songs by the Allman Brothers can you name? None. <laughs> I'm so I, sorry to say I, that. I, I, only because like, I know I could probably hear, those, hear a song by them and I'll be like, oh yeah, I know that song. But do I know it's the Allman Brothers? No. Do I know what it's titled? No. Ramblin' Man. There's one. Yes, of course. Ramblin I know Man. Ramblin' Man. So like you, I, I was not a super fan. I probably like you could only recognize like one song of theirs. But the book, this book gave me a real deep appreciation for their music. Really? I really love their music, their times, their pers- their perseverance, the challenges they faced. Because of this book, I am now a fan. And because of this book, I want to visit Macon now. You know they're from Macon, right? I have heard that, yes. Yes, they're from Macon. I want to go to the big house where they lived. And if a book can do that, I think it's pretty powerful. Okay. So, so what was powerful about this book in particular? How did the book turn you into a fan? Well, I think what we're looking for in books is like a connection. Like we're looking for in life in general, we're looking for a connection. And so while this book professes to be about an album, this one album called Brothers and Sisters, um, this is this is one chapter in the band's career, right? So this 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 album is only seven songs, thirty eight minutes long. So if huh. if it's just about this album, it's going to be a very short book. But what I like about this book is that it's really all about the band's life, focusing on this one chapter, but it really gives you a, an emotional connection to the people that were involved, not just the band members, but also their managers, their producers, their wives. And the connection, I think, comes through these tapes that I want to talk to you about. Tapes, like not music tapes, but interview tapes. Interview tapes. Seems to be a theme with you. We talked about uh, secret tapes uh, a few episodes ago with, the Mar- with Martin Luther King. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, these... When you have tapes like this, it sort of brings you into their lives in a deeper way. Uh, and so Alan Paul got access to a treasure trove of interviews with band members and others connected to the band. And these tapes, these quotes, these stories became the heart of a book that's really about a group of individuals, friends, bandmates, their professional challenges, their their interpersonal relationships. So it's more than a story about an album. It's the story about people. And here's where I want to introduce Alan Paul. 
Yeah, so the tapes that you're talking about were interviews done by Kirk West, who's been a, one of my best friends for for decades now. Um, and and he was the band's tour mystic. That's what they called him after they reformed in 1989. And he had that title because he was the tour manager, but he did so much more. He was the archivist, the historian, the band photographer. And he was sort of my link from becoming like a regular journalist covering the band into more of an insider because of our relationship. He had done these interviews in 1986 and 87 when the band was broken up, to answer your question, what was going on? Nothing. They were broken up. They were each pursuing solo careers in various ways. Um, they were sort of in hard times to various extents, each, each member, of course, a little bit different. And they were sort of reflective of the time. It was only about 10 to 13 years after the period in question. And they were very wistful about uh, what they had. They were reflective. They weren't sort of political about the way they talked about things because they were broken up. They were kinder to each other than they would sometimes be in later years. So imagine, you know, time has gone on from challenges in your life, mm -hmm. you know, because I know you've you've had challenges. Oh, we all have, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> years later, you're you're looking back on them and maybe these hard times come back a little bit um, a little bit more honestly. Yeah, I, I would say uh, if I had to put myself in their position, maybe it's like the stress of the moment is gone and you can sort of look at the past through rose-colored glasses. Is that what they were doing in those tapes? Well, they're just being honest, you know, yeah. about their challenges. You, you know about some of their challenges, I hope. You know, Dwayne Allman died. I know so little about okay. this, Orlando. That's so why I'm turning to you. There's two brothers, <laughs> Dwayne and Greg. And so they formed this band and it 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 became a, a, a sensation, a phenomenal sensation. But Dwayne died tragically in a motorcycle crash, and then another band member, Barry Oakley, died just a year later in another motorcycle crash. And so, what do you do as a band now? Mm. You know, um, how do you bring new band members into the band? How does that affect the dynamics of writing, touring, making business decisions, living together? These guys live together. Is the music different after that? Are you grieving through the art? That's what they're going into in these in these uh, in this book. And in addition to all of that, they had financial problems. They had bad management management that was taking advantage of them. There was disagreements over business decisions. And you know, I've never had a, a, a close family like this. You know, a, 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 I've never had a cro close group of friends like this ever. It's not a dynamic that I've lived. And so being dropped into this band dynamic, this family dynamic for a week or two that it took me to listen to this book uh, as I did it in an audiobook, it was very intoxicating for me. It, it gave me a sense of, again, connection. So were the tapes featured in the audiobook? Yes, they were. Oh, that's and, cool. And that's one reason I... You know, I don't admit a lot to reading audiobooks, but I do. Why? What's the shame in that? <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to audiobooks, but this one I'll plug in particular because uh, the author, Alan Paul, is the narrator of the audiobook, and they bring in these tapes. You can hear from uh, Greg himself and Chuck Lovell and the other band members, uh, which is a plus in my opinion. Hmm. Okay. And are there any, you know, this is a rock book. So are there sex, drugs, and rock and roll stories here? There's lots of those stories. <laughs> um, they were one of the biggest rock bands of their era. It was a pretty free era in terms of uh, those vices. 
Um, do I want to share any? Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was hoping you would have a clip from uh, from Paul there. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't want to dwell on that aspect. But I will say, okay. one of my favorite quotes from the book, they were talking about a legendary concert that they performed with the Grateful Dead and the band that was known as The Band, the one with Robbie Robertson. Um, and during that performance, I think the quote, I can't remember who said it, but it was something like, the band were all drunk, the dead were on acid, and the Almond Brothers were, were on coke, uh, which, given the music, sounds about right. <laughs> um, all right. So you were new to the Almond Brothers bef- before the book. Was there anything that surprised you about them in the book? I'll, I'll highlight a few things. One was how big the band was. Again, I didn't grow up in that time, um, but this band was huge. They played a gig in Watkins Glen, New York for 600,000 people. And in that chapter, Paul goes into the scene, the audio setup, the helicopters that were involved. Um, this was like a second Woodstock that hmm. took place in for New York. For just the Allman Brothers. Allman Brothers and the Dead and okay. the band. Okay. So it was a it was a super huge concert. Number two, their connection with Jimmy Carter. More so about how much Jimmy Carter liked jazz and rock and roll and Bob Dylan. I think uh, another a funny story in the book relates to Jimmy Carter quoting Bob Dylan at a business uh, speech in a business political speech context. You know and how risky it was for Carter to be associated with uh, these bands, the the Allman Brothers, as you know, as I just mentioned, they had a they had drug problems, numerous incidents where, you know, they could have died. They almost died. Um, and there, were, there was bad publicity around them at one point. And here's Alan Paul talking about Carter and the band. He put his money where his mouth is. It was a relationship of convenience to some extent because they helped each other. But it was much more than that on both sides. I think that's fair to say. And, you know, perfect example in 1974 when they were just developing this relationship. Dickie Betts of the Almer Brothers was recording his solo album. And uh, Governor Carter says he's going to come down and visit the studio. And they all expected him to come. They were very excited he was coming. They thought he'd be there for 10 minutes. They'd take a bunch of pictures and he'd leave. He spent hours there. There's photos of him. I have one in the book where he has headphones on. He's sitting in the control room. Uh, Rosalind is standing behind him. I mean, he really was into it. He, he wasn't just popping in there to take a picture and glad hand. And I think that sums it up really well. So, of course, he was taking advantage of this relationship and this friendship to get attention, to get money, to raise his profile on a national stage. But in a very genuine way, the same way that any of us might, uh, if we were needed help, we'd turn to our friends. And that's something else that Greg said in, in that interview with Kirk that, that we talked about. Greg said... Um, when he first met Jimmy Carter, they were sitting there, they were having scotch in the governor's mansion at two in the morning or something and listening to Elmore James blues records, which Greg thought was just unbelievable. Oh my God, you know, this is a guy who's never been accepted into the mainstream at that point in this way. He's sitting in his governor's mansion, drinking scotch, listening to blues. And Carter says to him, you know, I think I'm going to run for president and I might need your help. And Greg said that he thought to himself, this guy has no chance of being president, but sure, you know, he said, of course, I'll help you. And he said 
Listen, it was a friendship thing. If he had told me he needed some money to raise, uh, to open used car lots, I probably would have lent it to him. I mean, I wanted to support him because I liked him. I mean, that just makes Carter even more cool, in my opinion. <laughs> that's the one Allman Brothers fact I think I did know. But that's just through my reading about Jimmy Carter, is that the Allman Brothers once stepped in and raised a bunch of money for him. Yeah, well, there was a whole documentary, I think it was called Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. Well, there you go. Um, but, you know, after Carter won the Democratic nomination for president and Greg Allman winds up on all these magazine covers with, uh, uh, you know, bad publicity, Carter does not throw him under the bus uh, and showing again what kind of man Carter was. Anything else that surprised you about the band? Yes, and this next one I absolutely did not see coming, and that's the band's connection to the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous. Uh, turns out that that movie, a cult classic, an Oscar-winning screenplay, an early film hit for Kate Hudson and Jimmy Fallon, would not have happened without the Allman Brothers. What was their role? So uh, the movie is a semi-autobiographical story about a young journalist in real life, Cameron Crowe, who, when he was 15 years old, gets a cover story in The Rolling Stone by going on this wild tour with a band, which in real life is the Allman Brothers. But... Young Crow almost doesn't get the story in the magazine. It's just a wild adventure. It's a super movie. I watched it uh, after reading this book. (laughs) Um, And it all came down to one night in a hotel with uh, Cameron Crow and Greg Allman. You know, Cameron said to me, if somebody had stepped from the future into the hotel that night, walked into the elevator, tapped me on the shoulder, and said, this night will change your life and you'll be talking about it for 50 years, I would have believed him. Because even in the moment, although obviously he didn't know what was going to come out of that, he knew that it was a momentous time in his life. And he wrote the story and it launched his career. Great movie, great book, great album. And I didn't even hear anything else but Ramblin' Man until I read this book. So. Okay, and now you know a whole lot more. Now I know You a could lot name more. a bunch more songs. I could name a bunch more songs, Melissa. There was a great bunch of ones on that album. Well, the book about the Elman Brothers is called Brothers and Sisters, the inside story of the album that defined the 70s by Alan Paul. Orlando, thanks for telling me about it. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to Narrative Edge. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. This podcast is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Find us online at gpb.org slash narrative edge. You can also catch us on the daily GPB news podcast, Georgia Today, for a concise update on the latest news in Georgia. For more on that and all of our podcasts, go to gpb.org slash podcasts.